<laughs> okay. It's a good start. I'm sorry, what? That's a good start. <laughs> What's that? What's a good start? I missed something. Oh, you're squinting at the screen and me laughing. It'll be a good video for them. <laughs> okay. Eyesight's failing. Old. Mm. Eric. Hi, Eric. Oh. Hold on a second. Guys... I put my earbuds in. Hi. Hello. You guys are in the same time zone. Eric, this is um, Devin. He's in Vancouver. And this is Eric in uh, Seattle. Hey, Eric. And that, um, Eric, we have just um, started recording, and we've just been uh, talking about a few things that leads us to, uh, let us call it common ground for the two of you because I've been listening to both of your languages and the language is the language that we need to start becoming mindful of the kind of language that we use when we talk to others, as well as, um, catching these words when we're using them, uh, inside without making them, uh, vocal. Um, and that uh, when I was uh, training as a psychotherapist, um, <clears throat> these words were actually key words for the psychotherapist to listen for. And those key words would be hard and try. And when someone says try hard, now we're really going someplace. <laughs> okay. Um, there, the try actually try hard is a driver, and that there in 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 transaction analysis, which was um, uh, the system that Byrne used, when we talk about transactional analysis, generally the psychologist has no real deep understanding of what's happening in anyone's mind. No one does. No one really knows what's going on in someone else's mind. But what we can do is we can see uh, gestures, features, facial expressions, and listen specifically to words that one will use. And so by doing so, we can get kind of a... Uh, uh, a psychological profile just from the uh, words that someone is using within this context. And because of that, the whole system is called transactional analysis, the transactions between two people, that this is a, a large source of um, information that if we begin to understand that how we talk to other people is a reflection of what's going on really on the inside um and just as a completion point i'll mention all five of these drivers to show different personality types one is called please me 
the please me driver has the characteristic of shaking one's head, raising one's eyebrows, and doing the kind of gestures to try to get people to agree. And so it's named please me. Now, uh, <clears throat> the way our society has trained people, women have this quite naturally in the sense of doing this please me driver of trying to go along to get along. But men will often use the please me driver when they're lying. When they're lying, they do the please me stuff in order to get agreement. Uh, for instance, when Donald Trump makes an outrageous statement and then he looks over to something ambulance, maybe it's an aide or something over to the side and says, isn't it that right or don't you agree? That means that even he recognizes that he's telling a bald-faced lie. But many people are, uh, we don't realize these little things that are happening uh, when we're trying to get agreement when in fact we've just told a lie and we're trying to get people to believe that lie or, or agree with it. Another driver is uh, be strong, be tough. And the bottom of the be tough or the be strong driver is weakness, that it's a false kind of bravado. This is the, um, the, the issue with the bully. And if you'll notice that all good bullies wanna have an entourage because they want to feel safe. The bully is generally not a bully all by himself. He wants other bullies around him so that they can go around bullying uh, without getting into uh, too much trouble with it. But uh, the be strong or uh, macho, people who join the police, people who join military, people who go into sport, people who... Uh, are generally quite physical with their body, but it can be done on an intellectual level too. Um, uh, but the whole idea of be tough is because everything is really, really dangerous and I've got to bluff my way through life. So the next one is um, uh, be, be strong, uh, they said be careful was the driver, but Burns said no, that be strong and be careful and, and be perfect are uh, connected together that way. So the next driver is be perfect. Be perfect means that you've got to hide your mistakes, that you can't show anybody what's wrong, uh, that you've got to be on your toes, um, that uh, these people wind up having good IQs but they wind up not being very happy with their high IQs. Um, the next one is the one that I, <laughs> I had a lot of stuff with, and that is the hurry up driver. To hurry up, get it done. Don't dally. But that leads into someone having <clears throat> a driver of the uh, hurry up is actually anxiety itself. Anxiety, those who have anxiety, they want to hurry up so that they can get rid of that anxiety. But that anxiety also winds up having people with a hurry up driver being in some kind of race. The race would be like uh, motorcycles or um, one of the things that I did when I was in high school 
I remember it was really a crazy situation. The uh, math teacher, the algebra teacher, had given a uh, pop quiz. And I finished that pop quiz faster than any of the other students. And uh, raced up to the desk and put my paper on the desk to be the first one there. And then while I was thinking about it and reflecting, I recognized that one of the questions on the board that he had put up that I'd gotten wrong. And so I raced up to the, uh, to the uh, uh, front of the desk, grabbed the paper, put it back on my desk, and now all the kids in the class are just laughing and laughing at me. But I still managed to get that paper back up to be the first one. Okay, this is a kind of a driver that we have of getting it done. But now the driver that I want to mention is this one that's called try hard. Because many, many people have it at various degrees. We're not saying that the try hard driver is worse than the please me driver, because each one of them have their own levels of intensity. But that uh, the try hard driver is really dangerous because it can put one totally into a uh, loser's position so that they're not capable of getting anything done. Um, an example of that uh, with me in my own life was when I was in the U.S. Navy. I had gotten into the Navy as a musician uh, by playing the tuba. But in the Navy, they don't do marching bands so much. Most of the Navy bands are actually on board ship for the entertainment of the crew. So all of the tuba players have to also do string bass. String bass is hard to learn physically. Those big heavy strings plucking them with your thumb or plucking them with the finger, and it grows great blisters. When you're doing the fingerboarding, it also causes blisters and things like that for the new player, especially if we have the pressure of being already a professional in, in, the, in the Navy. Okay, so this was quite pressure. So I recognized what I was doing was that I was signing up for um, the practice rooms. And I would take the string base into the practice room to get the hours of the practice room to try to show the Navy that I was, at least I was trying because I knew that I was going to fail. I felt like that I was going to fail at playing the string bass, but at least I could say, look how hard I tried. That's the only real place that had ever happened to me at that level. But it was quite detrimental to my Navy career. Luckily, I was able to move out of that. But the point was, is that I, would, I was about to get thrown out of the Navy. And I didn't know it, but they did. They knew that I was not up to scratch and that I was only pretending to try. And so be careful about that. When you start using words like I'll try, that automatically means that you don't think that you're going to succeed in it. Or when, it, when you say that it's really, really hard work, that means that you're likely to start struggling with it. Okay. So all of these five drivers, though, are based upon a loser's mentality. Even the be perfect 
and the and the be strong are not winners positions they're all losers positions and because of that they're all called drivers that these are psychological drivers that drive us through life and and basically uh how to say there's no steering there's just the drive there's the push there's the motion of emotion but there's no real steering going on and so it winds up then being like you say hard work but guess what all it takes is for you to wake up to this to wake up to the uh situation that you're intentionally considering it to be hard where in fact whatever the job is it's probably easy if you had the skill of doing that job unfortunately everything requires a kind of a skill one of the things that i remember uh was that i was impressed that my mom knew how to sew because i didn't and every time i tried to use the sewing machine i would bunch the thread up or i would break a needle or i'd do something you know but over a short period of time of keep trying and keep trying and pretty soon i could do a seam that so everything is like that um an, another example of that is automobile mechanics most people when they start they start because they can't afford to have their car fixed so they've got to do it themselves and they don't have a clue about what they're doing but if they do it anyway they'll learn and they keep keep doing it and pretty soon you've got a crack automobile mechanic on your hands and he's only had three or four cars to work on but he did it and he knew how and he and he figured it uh out and learned to do it if if i could learn how to use the sewing machine and i can learn how to use uh my hands to repair an automobile then i ought to be able to get my own mind straightened out <laughs> i think that's the hardest one it's not it's not climbing everest is a whole lot more work a whole lot more effort and not nearly as rewarding getting on top of that mountain 29000 feet and it is um cold and sweaty and cold and freezing and uh, there's clouds and you can't even don't even have a good vista but climbing to the top of your own mind that's quite enjoyable but you have to climb the stairs of joy that's basically what it is if you're going to stand on a mountain of joy you're going to have to climb that mountain one moment of joy at a time which means one small change of attitude at a time every time that you recognize this is hard or i don't want to do it or um whatever like that check your attitude keep checking your attitude that attitude is uh one of the most important qualities on the eightfold noble path that this is actually the teaching of the buddha we are not straying when we stray into psychology we're not straying away from the dhamma 
that it's it's directly there. Everything that I've said about the drivers and psychology and all of that is directly related to Anapanasati. Mm-hmm. That those drivers that we were talking about, in fact, are the hindrances. The very things that drive us, hinder us from being able to sit still. They're motivators. Uh, Debbie recently asked, what is the distinction between feelings and emotion? And the answer is motion. That a feeling is just a feeling, but if that feeling is strong enough to make you do something, now it's an emotion. And within the teachings of the Buddha, these emotions or these things that make us move is what is called tanha. Thirst, craving. Tanha. Tanha, which is um, the motivation to go and to grasp and to cling. Okay. So when you say that uh, that I'll try, or that's really heard, then you're going into uh, psychologically clinging to being a loser. You expect to fail. If it's if it's hard, then it is unpleasant. It's no no fun, etc. So whenever we have those kind of thoughts, it's a good idea to wake up to them, to see them, to recognize so that we can begin to change in the sense of, I do not have to be a failure. I can be a winner. I can do this. I can do it and I can enjoy it. And the first thing that I do is enjoy it first. Just keep enjoying. That's in fact um, the job that really needs to be done. The Buddha talks about this uh, in many different ways and places about uh, to rejoice for having done the job. The job is done, it's well done. Now, uh, in this regard, it doesn't matter how big or how small or how long it takes to do the job. When the job is done, we get the satisfaction of the job well done. That makes sense. A lot of people say, well, it was such a little job that I don't have to congratulate myself because it was a little thing after all. And that's a loser's mentality. The winner's mentality is it doesn't matter how small the victory is. We recognize this as a victory. We recognize this as a job well done. Now that we understand that, now we can say, okay, well, let's only look at little jobs that need to be done. Let's not go try to tackle big ones. Let's try to do just one little thing at a time and then take the reward for it. And the reward is the knowledge of a job well done and the joy that arises from having that job well done. So just as um, if we have, uh, let us say, a set of bad thoughts, 
one after another after another so that we get ourselves built up into a really bad state. And we think of it being something big and powerful and explosive. Really what was going on was is that we were basically talking ourselves into feeling bad, one little bad thought after another. So if we can get ourselves feeling really bad by continuing to, let us say, poke at that wound, if we keep doing that over and over again, poking at that wound, it's going to uh, uh, grow festered and, uh, and big. So if we can reverse that process and say, every time I'm about to poke at that wound, I choose not to and choose to start letting it heal, it in fact will heal. All by itself, kind of. So in this regard, every time we can catch the mind, basically wandering away into the hindrances, every time we can catch it, it's going to be there most of the time. Most of the time you're going to be in hindrance. The question is, how often can you catch it? And when you can catch it, are you going to, uh, when you do catch it, are you then going to proceed with Anapanasati correctly? Mm-hmm. Catching it then is wake up. You've got to wake up to it. And as soon as you do wake up, now you've got this little procedure that needs to be done that have to do with right effort. And the right effort is, is to gladden the mind. Over and over and over again, gladden the mind, gladden the mind, gladden the mind. This is the way that we practice it. So that when gladdening the mind, we begin to feel like I can do this. Now, uh, in the suttas, it says, um, pity and sukha, born of seclusion. What is the seclusion? We're secluding ourselves from all of those hindering thoughts, the hindering thoughts of this is hard, I'll try, um, uh, the underground, uh, the underlying motivations of, of failure, the underlying emotions of then with those emotions is the feelings of defeat, the feelings of failure. And that both of you, and in fact, every student that I know is in the habit of feeling bad. They're in the habit of uh, letting the old stuff continue on. The question is, are you going to have the strong determination that you're going to wake up to that stuff? And by waking up, also of gladdening the mind and say, I can do this. Wow, this is a job well done then, is that wake up that wake up to those hindrances and recognizing that I am able to think the thoughts I want to think. You can think the the thoughts that you want to think, but you have to remember to think the thoughts that you want to think. Otherwise, you're going to start thinking the thoughts that you're in the habit of thinking. And what are those? This is hard. Always, this is a struggle. Always, uh, 
um, I'm, I'm tired, or any of those feelings of restless anxiety is another side of it. In fact, you can see these five drivers that we were talking about in TA strongly fit right into the, um, um, uh, the hindrances. The easiest one to check out is the one about restlessness. Restlessness is, in fact, uh, the core ingredient of the hurry up. That we're restless. We want to get something done. We're in a hurry. We got to get it done. And if we uh, get in a car when you're feeling that way, that uh, that <laughs> that right foot's going to become a lead a lead foot, or at least with some of us. When we get into a state of anxiety, we tend to drive faster. Here's an example of that. I guess both of you drive. Have you? Are, are I've driven. One of you not. Huh? I have. Do you drive? You have driven. Okay. So here's the situation. You've you've got an appointment, and you're going you're going to meet the appointment because you've you've left in plenty of time. And on the way to the appointment, you recognize that you have left out the documentation or the papers that you need for this appointment. So now you have to turn around and drive back home, get the papers and then drive to the, uh, to the place. Now, for many of us, as soon as we recognize that we have not gotten all of our papers and we have to start, uh, we have to go home, that's when the car speeds up. And we start to race, almost to the point of, I've got to make up for lost time because I've lost the time that I've been on the road uh, up until I get home. So I've got to make up for lost time by driving too fast. Many people do this. It's an ignorant thing. So uh, if one has this kind of anxiety or this tension or this restlessness, then it's really a good idea to check it. Every time you sit down in front of the, tr uh, the steering wheel, every time you get in the car, or every time you climb onto the motorbike, you check and say, am I full of anxiety? How's my driving going to be on this particular trip? Another one would be like if I'm meeting someone at the port or whatever. If I'm just going someplace, there's no problem. But if I'm actually going and saying, okay, I'll meet you in the port at 10 minutes, then the likelihood then that I'm going to drive faster to the port to make that appointment. So you can see how that stuff actually dangerous. I'm talking about stuff that is life and death. I could kill people because of that anxiety. And in fact, I would say that most of the people who are, are roadkill in the U.S. is because of one of these drivers getting in the way of us living our lives correctly and appropriately. And so since that's the one that I have is my own experience, you can begin to see how that fits in also with these other drivers. That people who are uh, um, constantly doing please me drivers are generally uh, not being truthful. They're trying to get people to agree to the lie they've just told. So um, that would be delusional thinking or, or, or doubt. And so we're trying to fix up the doubt by getting everybody to agree. 
to something that we know is not true. But this one that this one that we're talking about the tr it can be a banal or it can be a tragic script also. But in fact, people who have tryhards generally uh, one of the outs that they will uh, go for will be drugs or addiction uh, to some substance or something like that uh, in, in the sense of, well, what's the use anyway? I'm probably not going to pass. I'm probably not going to be successful in my life. So let me go ahead and at least get a little bit of pleasure out of um, substances. So this is one of the motivations behind that. And so being able to check that out, to be able to see that uh, is a really good thing so that we can begin to wake up out of it because neither one of you are losers. You're both winners. It's just a matter of attitude. So how can you change your attitude? Bit by we bit. do that, huh? Bit by bit. Every time we remember. Every time we remember, we gladden the mind, and that gladdening the mind is from the success of, I did remember. I did wake up. I did throw the hindrances out of the mind, and that's the success. It's a little success, but it's a whole lot better than not waking up <clears throat> and letting the mind roll on in the way that it used to, but is now piling on, leading to failure. It really is a um, kind of a coin with two sides. And we tend to live with the coin already in one side, and that's the way that we live our lives. And I'm inviting you now to begin to start turning the coin over occasionally. <laughs> to turn that coin over, to say, no, I can do this. I can come out of my misery. I can come out of my try hard. I can come out of my expectations for failure. That this document that I've got to write is not hard. It's going to be fun. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I can see, I can see uh, how this could work. Good. It, <laughs> it, it can. It, it has That's millions of people over the past 2,500 years. If you can see that it does work, because, and, and to be honest with you, it takes repetition. Yeah. Not only does it take repetition of you doing it, it takes actually repetition of you hearing it. Mm -hmm. The biggest problem with self-help books is, is that even as inspiring as that book is, once the reader reads the book, he puts it on the shelf. If he would keep reading that book and every time he reads it to completion, he starts over and starts reading it again motivationally and keep those motivations in mind, 
yeah. it will help him to remember to take some of the advice in the self-help book. But that's I, the I, problem with books. The books don't come by and kick you in the butt the way I do. <laughs> <laughs> I've had I've had that experience with um, the uh, the literature and twelve step programs. I've been reading it for uh, a decade, and I find something new each time I sit down and read it. Mm-hmm. So. Now, you're, um, Devin, you're beginning to change your attitude that you can, in fact, become successful. That's today's talk. You can feel the way you want to feel. All you have to do is remember to feel the way you want to feel. It's not that big a deal. But my, what a marvelous uh, job you've just done. What a marvelous task. That that's something that is really worth useful to point out to the students that this little process that we're going through, repeated time and time and time again, actually does change the mind and takes it out of the ordinary into the high quality. You come out of the mundane world and you start living a supra-mundane life. You become noble. And this, this is the top of humanity. Becoming noble, noble-minded. And we're not talking about the nobility that is aristocratic with money. We're talking about the, the highest quality of the human mind can be developed this way. Over and over and over again, every time that we catch the mind wandering away, we bring it back. And by doing that with this attitude of uh, can do, the attitude of a winner, then that developed into uh, what the Buddha referred to himself as the lion. That we're no longer afraid, that we can, in fact, be... um, uh, the emperor of our own pile of dirt. <laughs> you can become the emperor of your own pile of dirt. And by doing so, that's remarkable. This is a club that is, it's not selective. The club is not selective of who gets to join. But the people themselves have to select, am I going to join such a club as the club of nobles? those that are really high-quality human beings. This is, in fact, the pinnacle of humanity. Now, we have in our societies many different kinds of pinnacles in the sense of the pinnacle position of uh, politics within a country or the pinnacle of sports, like a Heisman Trophy winner or perhaps a gold medalist in the Olympics. But now look at it. Every, every time they do the Olympics, they have many, many different competitions. So they wind up giving out hundreds of gold medals every time they do the Olympics. All right. So this is actually even better than a gold medal. What we're talking about, getting the mind cleaned out, getting the mind in a, in a, a decent shape is something that is quite rare in the world. And this is your goal. 
Not only is it your goal long-term, because that's not really the point. The goal is right now, can I get the mind in a noble state? And then again, right now, can I get the mind in a noble state? Right now, can I get the mind in a noble state? And can I keep it there for a little while? And then right now, again, can I get the mind in a noble state? This is the way that we do it. And by doing so, you are actually beginning to come to become the emperor of your own life, moment by moment. I cannot think of a higher goal that you can have for yourself. So this should give you a great deal of joy and a great deal of satisfaction, a great deal of um, a sense of accomplishment, that you're accomplishing something that is actually uh, more valuable and more wholesome than running the 100-yard dash faster than anybody else in the world. This is really something worthwhile. In fact, the guys who do run the 100-yard dash, after they won their gold medal, you may never hear from them again. There was a bicyclist who won a whole bunch of them, and then they found out that he was doing a lot of steroids and drugs and whatnot. <laughs> but um, uh, basically, many people will go around trying to, let us say, make a name for themselves. Okay, become the very, very best at football or the very best at running and things like that to make a name for themselves. Here, the name is not what we're looking for so much as the actual satisfaction of having accomplished something that is uh, very, very worthwhile accomplishing and at the same time quite rare. Buddha's are not a dime a dozen, but they do exist. And you can join that club too. Every time you remember, you join that club. And so this is the kind of um, attitude change that we're looking for. You can. You can feel that good. You can feel like that you are on top of the world. You can. All you have to do is remember. And my job is to be a cheerleader, is to <laughs> cheer you on, to get you to recognize you can be that champion. <laughs> that you're not a loser. You've just been telling yourself that you're a loser that you're not good enough, that you're not up to scratch. But you are. All you have to do is to remember to stop telling yourself that you're a loser. To stop telling yourself, oh, this is hard. That this is difficult. That I'm not up to the task. Because, in fact, the task that we have is really easy. It's an easy task. All we have to do is remember and take that little bit of effort to come out over and over and over again to gladden the mind, to feel basically the way you want to feel. At one time I told the story about Ed McMahon, but now nobody knows about Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon was the um, 
he became famous for being the guy who introduced Johnny Carson on the Late Show. And he's the one who would say, here's Johnny. That's not just from a horror show. Pardon? It's not just from The Shining. No, uh, Ed McMahon, then later after the uh, Late Show was finished, he went to work for Publishers Clearinghouse and was doing advertisement. And they had a number of different uh, shows. Uh, Publishing Clearinghouse was selling magazines. This is in the day when magazines were about to start to die. Before that, everybody took a dozen magazines at home. But then they stopped doing it, and so Publishing Clearinghouse started buying up various magazines and consolidating them. And in the process of doing so, they started having promotions. And so Ed McMahon was doing promotions. So one of the promotions was that they would knock on somebody's door who was the winner of their contest with a great big check that was held big and high by some beautiful girl, you know, with great big letters and and all of that and a check for $10 million. Now, how would you like to have a check for $10 million? I'm looking closely for the smiles here, okay? Because just the thought of $10 million is making you smile. But it's just a thought. If the thought of Ed McMahon and a check of $10 million can make you smile, then almost anything should be able to make you smile. But in fact, I'm not sure about actually getting that $10 million check. That mm-hmm. sounds like a lot of dukkha. You wouldn't be surprised at how fast your family grows when they begin to find out that you've got that money. You'd be surprised at how many banks call to get you to open an account. You'd be surprised how many car dealerships wind up at your door trying to sell you a car. And that most people who get a large sum of money, like winning the sweepstakes or whatnot like that, wind up being broke after three years. They quit their job, they buy all this kind of stuff, they go crazy, and they wind up being poor again. So the money is not sustainable. So I guess the other part of that would be that uh, if if I had gone to Watsuan Mok and met Bhikkhu Buddhadasa, in 1984 or 83, and what I got from him was not Dhamma, but I got uh, $10 million. <laughs> I probably would be broke and suffering right now. Yeah. But he gave me the Dhamma instead. My, what a marvelous gift. This gift is worth far more than $10 million for sure. And so you both have a marvelous gift that I'm giving you. Because, and what makes it marvelous is it's easy to do. And all I really require of you in this regard is to remember to do it. And when you get to the point and you say, hey, I can't remember to do this. Now you're the winner. You can remember to do this. You both have been successful at it in the past, and you will be successful in in it again. All you have to do is keep practicing over and over and over again to come out of the hindrances, to come out of those things that drive us. 
Because when you come out of the things that drive us, then there's no place to get driven to, and there is no reason to go anyplace. Which means now we don't even have to have motion in our emotions. They're not going to drive us anyplace yeah. anymore. We're going to yeah. catch them. <clears throat> that, our mo- that our feelings don't have to become emotions. They can become, they can be left at feelings if we can see them. They can be left at merely a thought and say, ah, out of here, get out. Anxiety, goodbye. I don't need you, anxiety. I'm going to take a deep breath and feel good. I imagine that the try hard seems very much like that anxiety in the sense that we feel like that we've got a struggle, but it's against like a barred door and that we're pushing and pushing, but we're not making any progress to where with the anxiety, we are making progress. We're just not making enough of it. Mm. But it's- Yeah, they're the rub. Okay, so um, let's start looking at these feelings of anxiety or these feelings of uh, uh, that we've got to do something, we've got to push through this thing, and it seems like an immovable object. That immovable part of the object is just as imaginary and just as delusional as the object itself. Neither there is an object that has to be pushed through, nor is that object going to be difficult to push through. Both of those are delusions. And we have been living in our delusional minds our whole lives. We were trained in it because of our instincts. So we start with our instinctual behavior as children. And that instinctual behavior then continues right along because all of the adults that that child is around is also, they're living in their instinctual uh, uh, mind and teaching the child from that instinctual mind. So we have both nurture and uh, nature, but that both of them are working against us in this regard. And that's what we mean by our personality. Our personality is is part instinct and part learned behavior. And that the learned behavior fit in with the instincts. Now we're going against the grain, literally. And so we have to remember. But it really is easy, one step at a time, to just throw this thought out. To just throw this word hard out. You can say, no, I heard that word hard. I see you, Mr. Hard. Out you go. And we're going to substitute the word easy. This work is easy. It's not hard. This is actually um, part of the, the point about that real practice of the Dhamma is not squatting on the floor that it goes beyond that. That in fact, uh, the actual Dhamma uh, is available to be practiced all day long, 24 hours a day, anytime you can think of it. Yeah. And so this is how we need to learn to practice is to begin to wake up all throughout the day, 
to begin to listen to these key words that we use. So because if we can hear these key words, then we will um, be able to come out of it. So I would say that at this regard, both of you might want to spend five or 10 minutes writing down on a piece of paper all of those words that have been used for so long that keep us stuck. Words like hard, words like try, words like uh, not good enough, words like oh no. These are the kinds of words to start looking for. And so when you hear that yourself saying those words on the inside of your mind, you say, aha, I caught you. <clears throat> Uh-huh, I caught you, Mr. Hart. Uh-huh, I caught you, Mr. Suffering or Mr. Misery. Whatever it is, then we begin to hear those words. That, in fact, uh, for, for almost everyone, we will get into a tight set little vocabulary. We keep repeating the same things over and over again. So now... Uh, you can listen for one word in that cycle and you can say, uh -huh, I see that word. And by taking that word and grabbing that word, we're interrupting that cycle. So just one word is all we need to hear. Uh -huh, I see that. Uh -huh, I see that word hard. Uh -huh, I see that word. Uh, uh, this is tough. So these are the kind of words that we'll put on our list of words to watch for. And when you hear that word, you can say, aha, I see that. I got that one. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm the winner now. I can see those words that are being used. And so this is a way of practicing um, throughout the day is to become on guard for certain words. But in general, we would go so far as to say that if we're going to guard the mind, we're only going to allow wholesome words in and not allow any unwholesome words. But that's a bit much in, in, uh, uh, for what we're doing throughout the day. That would be a good uh, practice while we're sitting on the cushion when there is nothing else happening. We can get to the point of saying, I'm only going to allow wholesome thoughts during the time when I'm sitting. But then throughout the day, we've got this short list of words that we use commonly. And every time we catch that word, we're going to whack it. These are our moles, and we're going to play whack-a-mole. <clears throat> Get your list of words that are the moles that come up that, uh, that destroy your moment. So I've given you kind of a short list. Uh, Devin, do you have any other words that you want to add to your short list that I haven't mentioned? I, in terms of which particular phrase is not at the top of my head, I can say that, like, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to go in there and eat, eat some of those pierogies, even though I already <laughs> overate. Uh, and I guess the, the, the word would be, and I won't be able to resist. That's the... Uh, that's the thing I can throw out. Exactly. I won't be able to resist. Mm -hmm. Which means I'm out of control. And I'm a shitty person and 
everything's yes. falling apart. <laughs> and, right. Okay. Now you're getting your list together. That's what I yeah. want to hear. How about you, Eric? You got a list of things that you're going to start working, looking for. I can't think of any additional words. I guess they're, mo they're mostly feelings. Um, just like despair. Um, yeah, I can't think of them off the top of my head right now, but They'll come. You one come and say, "Uh huh, that belongs on that list." <laughs> What's that? You'll oh. you'll come across the word. You'll be thinking, and then all of a sudden, you'll say, "Ah, that word that needs to be added to the list that I'm going to be watching for." Okay. There's also more subtle words that you can use. Um, in in the sense of words like try you can use words in that regard like should ought to suppose to things that look to a nebulous authority i guess should should's mm -hmm. probably one that i so become become aware of those kinds of words that, that you use that um that you want to rebel against. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so the kind of words that you would want to begin to use then also on, in that regard would be words like want. I want this. And so we can begin to change that from I want it into it would be good for. And we can begin to change our language. Now, the language that we're changing here is more important to change the internal dialogue, to become, to become alert to our own language. This is a wake up. It's almost like that we're intentionally putting, um, when, when they have these uh, Olympic races, sometimes they put hurdles, and there's a, then the runner has to run over, uh, has to jump over these hurdles in his, uh, in his race. You know what I mean by the, it's normally, it, it looks generally like an easily knocked over sawhorse is mm -hmm. what they look like. Okay. We can now think of these new words that we're putting there as hurdles that have to be jumped over or have to be seen, recognized, and dealt with. Because before we've just been running into them, but now our, our, our um, by noting them, we're going to start av avoiding them. So I would recommend it. And, and you don't have, have to have a long list. A short list will do. Oh, but I have, have a long one. <laughs> well, actually, It's actually better to begin with the short list and that as you begin to get good at getting the old words off the list to put a few new ones on mm -hmm. rather than starting with a long list. I hear that, by the way. When you said it's a long list and followed by gallows humor, I heard that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There was a little bit of a loser's mentality in there. Ha ha, it's going to be a long list. <laughs> I see what you're saying. 
Well, but I like I, self-deprecation. I was... What else do I have? <laughs> you have joy. And it's time to stop the self-deprecation. Exactly. But that's exactly the point that 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 uh, that we need to start looking at. Yes, you do self-deprecate. And one of the ways that you did was by saying, oh, but it's going to be a long list. Rather than, well, I don't care how long the list is. We're just going to do them. <laughs> we can do this. So, Eric, do you have any uh, additional questions or something to mention with this? Because you and I have gone over this before, but with a slightly different viewpoint. That is still just on upon Asati, but the point is, is that we've got to start watching the mind and these words that we're using that keep us stuck in losers' positions. Why don't I let you guys go? Um, I, I've got other things to do. This has been very helpful. Uh, nice to meet you, Eric. Um, nice to meet you. Okay. All right. Well, I was about to close off anyway. So, um, do you have any? So, we'll. I was about to ask that same question to you, Devin. I think you can see that. So, if you're fine to go, then we can finish it up. Feels okay. <laughs> so bye bye. <laughs> so Eric, do you have any last um, thoughts or? Um, just that uh, in the last in the past couple of days, um, what I've been practicing a lot is just adding, not just having sati, and um, uh ridding the mind of the hidden hindrances, but acknowledging the, the success and uh, um, adding wholesome thoughts um, actively, um, as difficult as it may be at times. Um, but it's not difficult, it may be at times. It's just you don't remember sometimes. Well, I, I can't find the right words to say at times. I'll, I'll be searching and I just can't find them. Uh, first off, words of joy. Or right. words of, I, of sorrow. I, I no words of joy. Okay. Uh, All right. Well, just keep repeating the word joy. You've got one at least. Enthusiasm, uh, 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 happiness. You don't need to have an entire vocabulary. Just a few words over and over again. This is good. I like that one. This is good. Mm-hmm. I use that. It's nice. This is good. Just, wow, this is so good. 
And so getting the mind out of that trap of um, the old habit patterns that have these key words. Mm-hmm. And so congratulations for what you're saying, that you're getting it. You don't need a whole lot of different words for joy. So long as you've got joy on the mind, that's what we're looking for. Yeah, the more the more important thing seems to be the the what drives the word, what the emotion or like actually feeling the emotion instead of just saying the words. Like mm-hmm. isn't this like isn't this nice? <laughs> like it is different from isn't this really nice? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I need to remember to put that extra bit of effort in. Okay, I agree. I agree. To put that little bit of, yes, it really is nice. Not just mm-hmm. that I'm saying this is nice, but mm-hmm. yeah, it really is. It actually is nice. It's no problem. <laughs> no worries, mate. No duka here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Eric. Well, we'll see you. Keep going. You're practicing well. We'll see you. See you.